Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 504 Core Podcast, episode 20. We're on a roll uh, right now. Zach, what's been up? Game week been pretty busy, huh? Yeah, game week's been crazy, man. I've been hopping on a couple of different pods this week, kind of just giving as much LSU analysis as I can. I was on a Florida State podcast last night and really, really successful. It, it, they did really, really good numbers. We got some really, really good information on both prog- both programs. So it's been a super, super busy week. I know Corey and I were trying to get on you know, the same podcast this week, but just coordinating it was a little difficult with, with so much going on. But yeah, busy week flying out to flying out to Florida tomorrow to get things rolling for this weekend. But yeah, we we, we have a, a busy stretch coming up. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, um, we we can come back to the Florida State game. Obviously, that's a big topic. But uh, the big news tomorrow: Dominic McKinley with recruiting. What's the latest with him? Yeah, so that whole Dominic McKinley saga has been a pretty interesting one over the last couple of months. You know, he received a crystal ball to Texas a while back, and they've been trending positively ever since. But to get him and his brother down to Baton Rouge for the Bayou Splash recruiting event, you know, that last weekend of July was crucial. You know, Brian Kelly and his staff offered his younger brother, Darius. He's a 2026 prospect. So, you know, it, it was a beneficial site to get him on campus and get him around a bunch of other coveted recruits and, you know, kind of work from there. It was a really, really positive sign. But Ohio State and Texas have taken charge of his recruitment right now. And it's going to be, a, you know, kind of a battle until December to get him. It doesn't seem like it could go LSU's way tomorrow. You never know what can happen in recruiting the last 24 hours. A lot can change. But, you know, for right now, it, it seems like McKinley's trending elsewhere. And LSU's going to take this one to the buzzer for early signing day in December. He said he's kind of kept it kind of quiet, right? McKinley's been a super quiet guy when it comes to his recruitment. He keeps it close to the vest. And it's kind of hard to speak with him. I, I spoke to somebody last week who had a really nice conversation with him. And, you know, he, he doesn't really give a tip on where he's going. But, you know, people that I've been speaking with a little bit feel confident in what Texas and Ohio State are bringing to the table. He's a relationships guy. He's a really good relationship with the defensive line coach over at Ohio State. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening here at the end of the day. But LSU is going to play catch up here and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But Ohio State and Texas certainly have the edge, in my opinion, right now. Does he have like a because, you know, certain certain kids value location and IL, you know, whatever it may be. Does he have like a certain thing he prefaces over another or is it just like? Overall, what I've heard, man, he, he's just big on relationships. And okay. I, I really think he's developed a really good relationship with, with Sarkeesian's coaching staff out in Texas. And, you know, like I was saying a couple minutes ago, the same thing goes with that Ohio State coaching staff. It's not taking anything away from Brian Kelly and what they're doing. But, you know, it's been a couple of different defensive line coaches over the last couple of years. It's, you know, Jamar Kane was an absolute dog when it came to the recruiting trail. Obviously, he left, joined Sean Payton's coaching staff up in Denver. But, you know, he's a relationships guy. It seems like other people are kind of in his ear. And, you know, like I said, man, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But, you know, to talk about McKinley, let's, let's kind of you know, get into the rundown. He's a five-star defensive lineman out of Lafayette. He goes to Acadiana High. He's, he's a blue chip. He's the number one player in Louisiana. So he's at the top of LSU's big board. But, it, it, like I said, man, we're, this could be a long-term game here when it comes to his recruitment process. Yeah, and I know LSU usually doesn't – miss out on those Acadiana kids. So it would be kind of rare. I mean, especially if he goes to Ohio state, I mean, he, that's almost unheard of. For- yeah. You and I talked about that a couple shit last week, week before we were just saying like, and I, cause I agree. It's like the, the likelihood of a, of a program like Ohio state dipping down to the South and coming to get the number one player in Louisiana is relatively unheard of for the most part. So I was talking to my buddy Walker about it as well. And it's just kind of like, yeah, like for them to come in and do something like that would be extremely impressive from a program of their caliber. But, yeah, it, it's not it's not very common, and you know maybe maybe they can break the mold here. I know Ohio State's really pushing for him. 
Oklahoma is really pushing for him and Texas is really pushing for him. That's kind of the big three with, you know, LSU kind of like, you know, getting in there as well for some action. It was big to get him on campus at the end of July, but I guess yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty tough. If, if he's, if he's values relationships, it's pretty tough having what the third D line coach in two years. I mean, Lindsay left Kane left. I mean, it, that's pretty tough, but um, Lindsay, yeah, the, the Lindsay situation is, is difficult because, you know, he just got to campus in, in, in the spring and, He's battling some health problems right now. He's been he's been in the hospital. I think he might have gotten released last week or the week before, maybe. But that that's just an unfortunate situation when it comes to Jimmy Lindsay. He hasn't necessarily left the program, but he's taking a leave of absence uh, while he kind of monitors this health concern that he's been having. But hopefully, they can get him, you know, back on staff sooner rather than later. But to what you're saying, yeah, I mean, to develop relationships is super challenging at this point in time when you have such like a revolving door of defensive line coaches. But you know, ultimately, once again, we'll see. You know, you never know. Recruiting is always fluid. Um, anything else regarding recruiting? Yeah, so LSU is really recruiting re- really, really heavily. This 2025 four-star cornerback, Anquay Fegans, and he was a commit to USC for, you know, a couple of months now. He, he's a junior. He, he's, he's really, really evolving as a player. He's a blue-chip guy. You can see him get that fifth star by the time it's all said and done. And like I was saying a second ago, he's been committed to USC for a couple months. Today, he actually decommitted from USC. And it's a really big development for this LSU program as they continue retooling their secondary. So, you know, with that being said, he, he's back on the market. He, he backed off his pledge to the Trojans and Lincoln Riley. And, you know, LSU had him on campus at the end of July for that Bayou Splash recruiting event. So seems like that recruiting uh, the recruiting event might have gone really, really well and went in their favor. So he's back on the market. I wouldn't expect him to make a decision soon at all. USC is still going to be in the cards for him. But LSU is going to put their foot put their foot on the gas for him. You know, Texas. Ohio State, USC, LSU, those are some schools to monitor when it comes to Anquan services because, you know, he's, he's a super talent. So LSU is going to see what they can do, try to get him in town for an official visit this fall for a game day. But that's, a, that's some really big news on the recruiting front when it comes to his decommitment from USC. Where is he from, you said? Oof. Dude, I think he might be a Cali kid. Really? Okay. Yeah, let me tell you that right now. I'm, I'm, I'm looking up some uh, – he was right here. No, he's from Alabama. Okay. He's a southern boy. So, oh, damn. you know, it, it's good. Yeah, I mean, tough to poach a kid from Auburn or Alabama, um, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, I mean, why, why, dude? If at this point, like, if you're an offensive player, you'd love to go play for Lincoln Riley, but why are you going to play for Lincoln Riley as a defender? Like, and that's no true. And like, but but another thing that you and I talked about like a couple weeks ago is just like, why even like commit to a school before your junior year of high school anyway? Like, yeah, likelihood that you stay pledged to a program for that long is you know slim it's not unheard of you know it, it does happen I don't want to say anything because obviously like Decorian Moore just committed to LSU before his junior year five-star wide receiver at a Duncanville so you know I don't want to say anything and you know contradict myself but you know to commit to a program and stay pledged to them for a year and a half you know right before that early signing period in December is is, is a tough task for a coaching staff to, you know hold on and continue maintaining that relationship so you know he, he committed in, in his junior sorry his sophomore campaign and you know uh, he committed and he's back on the market and LSU's gonna make their push yeah, I don't get it either. Um, I mean, it'd be one thing if you commit like junior year and then just shut down your recruiting, but yeah. it, seems, it seems like no one really does that. I mean, I guess they just want the notoriety of being committed to a Power Five program. I'm really not too sure, but yeah, when when Decorian Moore committed to LSU, I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's obviously great news, but it's pretty early. It's very fluid. I mean, we've seen we've seen some stuff where kids like will commit super early and then recruit and then they'll decommit. So. I know, like Ray John Davis, a couple of day, a couple of years ago, he was committed to LSU. He looked like the most sure thing 
ever. He committed early and then recruiting, and then next thing you know, he backs off and goes to USC to go. Yeah, and, like, on that front, it's just, like, for DeCorian Moore, like, it's kind of a different situation just because, like, LSU's trying to develop this pipeline to, to Duncanville, like an LSU to Duncanville, you know, connection yeah. here. You saw Caden Durham, the four-star running back, commit to LSU, and DeCorian didn't waste any time. You know, he came to Bayou Splash with Colin Simmons and Caden Durham, and, you know, he obviously felt a connection with wide receivers coach Cortez Hankton before pulling the trigger and stuff. So I, I want to, you know, kind of be weird here and say that it's different with DeCorian Moore just because of what's being developed between the two programs of Duncanville and LSU. But, yeah, it, it's they're going to be they're going to be fishing for him for quite some time to get him to put pen to paper next December in 2020. Yeah, it, it's a long process. Um, like I said, we, if I were a recruit, I'd want to be wind and dine and take every damn visit I could. So would be that red carpet treatment second to none. <laughs> Do why why not live it up? Um, yeah, anything, anything else recruiting wise? That's you know I put out something things. today, kind of like a recruiting update thing, and we kind of hit on both pieces of of Anquan Fegans and Dominic McKinley. Those are those are the two you know big fish that people are that you know LSU's kind of looking towards. There's 2025 offensive lineman Devin Harper, guy out of Shreveport, and so he, he's on LSU's radar right now. We could see him maybe shut down his recruiting process early. He's really blowing up. He's getting SEC offer, SEC offer after SEC offer. You know, LSU, Florida, Georgia. Everybody's kind of in his ear. He's, you know, a really, really fast rising twenty twenty five prospect. So for LSU to continue staying in his ear and, you know, potentially try to get him to shut down the process early would be super beneficial because, you know, continue stacking the big guys up front is key for Brian Kelly. It's what he prides himself on in the recruiting trail. So, get one of Louisiana's finest to stay would be big. So. I'm really monitoring Devin Harper and, and what he's doing on the recruiting trail right now. I'd love to see him shut things down early, but like I said, early in the process, we'll see what he does. Yeah, for sure. Um, Brian, me and Corey talked about it last night. You know, he, when Kelly came here, he was he prided himself on offensive line and tight ends, and it's com- completely different than it was when he came. Yeah, here, he flipped so. the script in a big way, especially in that tight end room. And I mean, even in the offensive line room, he has two guys who are all SEC caliber guys, and Emory Jones and Will Campbell. So. For them to play and contribute so much as true freshmen was unheard of, especially under Brian Kelly, because he's not one to, you know, really play youngsters, you know, right then and throw them into the mix. But he did that. He threw Mason Taylor in as a freshman, too, and it, it paid off in the long run. So he's really retooling that offensive line room, that tight end room, and it, it's paying off for this program. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we briefly talked about it in a previous podcast, but uh, even given Will Campbell, number seven, I mean, that was kind of a shock, to be honest. Um yeah, what'd you think of that? What'd you think of seven and number eighteen uh, numbers going to them? I'm a big fan of uh, of Makai Wingo. I love I love him. I, I I've gotten to talk to him a couple of times now, and every time it's just been joy. He's a pleasure to speak with, and I'm I'm a fan of giving it to a you know a defensive playmaker and somebody like him. I would have loved to have seen Josh Williams get number eighteen. Man, that was that was the one that I was banking on. I would have loved to see that. He's the epitome of an LSU Tiger. You know. From walk-on to scholarship to starting duties as a running back, it's it was a really cool story. It's kind of like a Cinderella storyline, but by no means am I am I upset that Makai Wingo got it. You know, BJ Ojolari had it last season up up front at defensive line, and give it to another guy who's set to have a big time season. So I'm not not too not too upset with Wingo getting 18. Man, I love him. And then fast forward, look at Will Campbell getting number seven, and you know, I don't I don't I, I understand why people are kind of upset, and there's some controversy surrounding it because. You want to see number seven returning punts. You want to see number seven being this playmaker with the ball in their hands. But ultimately, Will Campbell kind of makes that offense move. I mean, he, he's he's a Louisiana native. He shined last season, and he's really done some good things for this program. So I'm, I'm a fan of kind of switching it up a little bit 
and, uh, you know, giving it to Will. Even though it's going to be a patch on his jersey, he gets to wear it during practice. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of switching things up for the better. So I'm I'm intrigued with what Kelly ends up doing with this whole number seven tradition moving forward. But big fan of, you know, Will Campbell, and I like him getting that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be upset to be – to give it to your all – you know, all everything offensive linemen, but yeah, I mean, people are traditionally used or traditionally they like to see guys playmakers, but yeah, I mean, Kelly just coming in, putting his own spin on things. I mean, I like it. So he's off to a good start on that. Kind of, kind of coming back to the running back situation. Uh, John Emery has got, I guess he's not playing this week. Uh, is it the grades? What's going on there? What's going on with him? Kelly's keeping the whole, you know, reasoning kind of close within the program so not many people are really sure what's going on here you can point in the direction of academics because it's what's held him out for the last you know this will be his third consecutive season opener that he's missed essentially and it's always come down to the academics with him health-wise it hasn't really been that big of a concern when it comes to John Emery but you know here we are he's missing another season opener and it's kind of just like an endless rotation when it comes to him it's like is he going to have that breakout year? No, he's not because he's suspended. Or can he do it this year? No, something happens off the field. It's just, you know, he's never lived up to the potential. He's never lived up to the hype. And it's really unfortunate because John Emery is as talented as it comes uh, in that running back room. He was a dog at a Destrahan. He's a really nice kid. And, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate to see him miss this game. Hopefully he's back for week two. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's, just, that's just unfortunate, especially with Armani Goodwin also not playing this weekend too. Sure, LSU has eight scholarship backs. and. Two of them not available isn't really the end of the world, and especially two guys who weren't really going to take significant snaps anyway this weekend. But, uh, you know, for the John Emery saga, it just continues even more, and it's an unfortunate situation for a guy who seemed to be, you know, getting it all together. Dude, I'm, I'm, I wish LC would just get a good week zero game. I mean, at this point, what, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, seriously. They tried they to do it once Mason Smith went down. Dude, they, they should be doing it. suspended for that one. They should be doing that at the beginning of the year. I mean, Get a get a tune-up game. I mean, Grambling State. I mean, play that game week zero. I mean, why not? Why are you pushing that to week two? There's mixed then, emotions on that. And I, I'm on the same page as you. I think it'd be nice to get a tune-up game and get prepared for the season to start. But at the same time, like, you don't want to risk injury and stuff. And financially, you know, it, it's big time to play a school like Florida State this year, USC next year in Vegas, and then, you know, ultimately Clemson moving forward. So, like, it's just it, – it's a, it's a money situation, it appears. And, you know, you also want to keep your players healthy. Yeah, but I mean, like, okay, if 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 LSU had a tune-up game last year before Florida, okay, so Florida State had the tune-up game last year before they played LSU. Like, I think if LSU had that tune-up game before they played Florida State, they they might beat Florida State. Like, in all honesty, the amount of mistakes they made, like uncertainty on the offensive line, like it was, it looked like that was the first time they're playing the game. And then Florida State, you know, had a little warm-up with I don't even know who they played last year, but it was some team I didn't even hear of. So. I mean, LSU does this stuff like every single year. They play best of the best. You know, their strength of schedule is obviously always top five, top ten at the very least. So, I mean, I just wish they would just get these tune-up games. But I, I understand what you're saying with injuries. Um, it's just like so strange. Like, just get a tune-up game. Get a get a week zero game in LSU. Come on. I mean, at this point, it's kind of ridiculous. They it's not a bad take, and I completely agree with what you're saying about last year. Like. Florida State obviously, you know, had their tune-up game in Week Zero, and and LSU didn't. But now you look at this year, dude. Florida State didn't take one, so now it's kind of you know yeah. same situation. And both these two teams are super similar um, in the sense. So I'm excited to see what rolls out on a uh, rolls out with Week One of Florida State. I'll tell you that much. It's 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 going to be really interesting. Yeah. What What are you expecting to see on Sunday? Uh, you know, it's a broad question. It, it's there's a, there's yeah, a couple of different things. Broad. I kind of want to just like. 
if, if I'm going to break down like my three keys to victory, I'm going to, I'm going to write something on that later tonight. It's, it's going to be a battle in the trenches. Uh, first and foremost, you're, you're going to get Will Campbell and Jared verse going at it again this year. And Jared verse is going to be a top 10 pick in 2024. He's an absolute unit inside. I mean, he's, a, he's a freak. Um, he's Jared versus a freak. And, you know, Will Campbell got the nod against him last year. Uh, and when I say got the nod, he was the guy as a true freshman having to go up against Jared freaking verse. And Verse got the best of him at times. Campbell, you know, held his own at times. But now you kind of get round two of that matchup. And, you know, Will is kind of somebody who's coming into his own. He's a team captain. He's wearing number seven. He has a whole SEC season under his belt now. So that's a matchup that I'm circling, wanting to see. And ultimately, the battle in the trenches will decide this game. So that's first and foremost. Second, it's Jaden Daniels. You know, can he connect on those intermediate balls? Can he push the ball vertically? Can he continue to, you know, go on that positive trajectory? And I think with the offensive line holding their own against Florida State, it, it would open up everything. He gets some time in the pocket, let plays develop, put your ball in your playmaker's hands like Malik Neighbors. So this team's going to go as far as Jaden Daniels allows them to. And, you know, it starts with, you know, him pushing the ball downfield a little bit more and not being as predictable. And then, you know, ultimately my third and final one would be the secondary. Can Zai Alexander contain Johnny Wilson? The playmakers that Florida has is, is unbelievable. Keon Coleman is a Louisiana native. Michigan State transfer. He was going to be their starting wide receiver last season, and or he was going to be their starting wide receiver this season, and he ultimately decided to enter the transfer portal, went to Florida State. So you kind of have like a two-headed monster there with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, and can this LSU secondary that struggled a lot during fall camp, can can they kind of hold their own and, and limit the explosive plays, and li- eliminate the playmakers, and you know kind of just hold it down a little bit? So, you know, when it comes to keys to victory for me, it's win the trenches, allow Jaden Daniels to have plays to develop, and, you know, get the secondary in check because they're, they're in for a big test in week one. Yeah, I agree. Um, last year, LSU's offensive line versus Florida State was, I mean, it was completely different than what it is today. I mean, you had Garrett Dellinger at center. He never played center. He had multiple missed snaps. Um, they had like seven different starting lineups the first like seven or eight weeks. Like it just, it, they just never clicked. And that first game of the season was was just tragic. Snaps going over Jaden Daniels' head. Uh, no time. Jane Daniels really just running for his life is what I was saying on the Florida State podcast last night. It was just like, dude, like just nothing to develop, just nothing offensively. LSU showed up for a quarter and a half last year, and they almost won. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see ultimately when you and I get to our predictions and stuff. But, I mean, it, it, it starts up front. But as you were saying. Yeah, no, I, I think LSU's offense is definitely going to be better. Um, I mean, I remember – before the season even started, Brian Kelly was like, oh, we have to learn how to practice. Everyone's like, what? Like, what? Like, so, I mean, they're 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 a better team this year for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, they've lost a little bit of talent, but I think they will be a better team because they were pretty young last year, even with all the transfers. So, uh, and then he said the secondary, I mean, it's pretty unproven. You have two corner, two starting cornerbacks who, you know, I mean, Deuce Chestnut. Is Deuce Ch- Chestnut starting? I mean, you know Zal- Zai Alexander is, but who's the other one? Or is it Sage Ryan? I mean, who, who's the other one? Yeah, so when it comes to that LSU secondary, it's going to be really interesting, kind of like the rotation that they throw out there, because Zai Alexander's your cornerback one. Like, he's starting on the boundary no matter what. And then opposite of him is going to be either Deuce Chestnut or Sage Ryan. We saw Sage Ryan run with the ones during uh during that fall camp scrimmage before he kind of had that stinger injury. He's, he's fine, though. Um. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll see either Sage Ryan or Deuce Chestnut out there. Regardless, you're 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 getting somebody who can compete. Yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting because if you roll out Sage Ryan at corner, you slide Greg Brooks up to nickel, and then you have your two safeties of Andre Sam and Major Burns. So it, it's going to be a really interesting uh, guys that they have in, in in the secondary. I'll tell you that much. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's the biggest thing. I mean, just not even for this game, the whole the whole season, what their secondary looks like, because it's relatively unproven, at least at this level. So, um, yeah, what, what's your final score prediction? Yeah, for this week one matchup, I I got to stick to what I've said on every single like radio show and podcast so far, and it's really just LSU getting over the hump here and beating Florida State thirty four twenty seven. Some people say that that that's not enough points. They think they score more and. I feel really comfortable with around that 34-27, 34-30 type score. You know, spreads two and a half right now. I think LSU covers and, and gets the job done. And it, it really just plays into a factor of LSU returns so many players, their entire offensive line on offense. Jaden Daniels back in year two in the system. Just a comfort type of feel. And like I said a couple minutes ago, LSU showed up for, dude, maybe a quarter, a quarter and a half last year and almost pulled it off. So, you know, have them show up for three quarters this year and or pray to God all four. And it, it, I think they, I think they get the job done here. Yeah. I, th- I think a bit close game. Um, I agree. I think they will cover. It just seems like LSU's in better circumstance right now than they were last year. And they are a better team. Uh, I said 35, 31. I think it, you know, will be, I think it'll be a close game. I really do. Um, just yeah, you and I are the same page though. Yeah. Just considering how much talent Florida state's returning and, you know, everyone else is putting stock into Florida state as well. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty good time um, come Sunday. Just feels good to have football back. That's all. Yeah, thank God, dude. I'm I'm so ready for this to be back. I'm ready for football season to be around. It's going to be an electric atmosphere in Orlando. I, I can't wait to get out there this weekend. It's Labor Day, only game on Sunday, dude. Like, we're we're in store for a treat. This is going to be a good one. Is the hurricane messing with um, anything? No, nah, everything looks good for right now when it comes to that hurricane stuff. It seems like it's it's all passed and making its way everywhere else, but Florida seems uh, good to go for now. All right. Well, that's good. Um, anything else you want to plug? No, I'm good. I didn't know if you wanted to do game-by-game projections or anything, but uh, – Yeah, I was kind of waiting. Um, I wanted to do it when everyone's together, but, yeah, it's coming harder. Um, we'll figure something out. But, yeah, prediction for this weekend, I, 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 got, I got LSU taking it over Florida State, 34-27. I think they can get the job done here. A lot of returning production, a lot of newcomers. Logan Diggs can, you know, enter the fold and, you know, make a pretty big impact in this running back room. I hope if he can stay healthy. So we're in for a treat. I can't wait to see Harold Perkins flying around the field, trying to contain Jordan Travis. Secondary kind of contain Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson's a 6'7", 240-pound freak. Like, let's not get it twisted here. Like, that's an electric wide receiver who pretty sure didn't even play last year against LSU. So, this is somebody who's going to enter the fold in a big way this season. Like he, he's in for a breakout season. A lot of people believe. And Jordan Travis is apparently the guys that I was talking to last night, taking strides in the right direction as a pocket passer. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're in for two teams who are just so, so similar. You bring back a ton of production, you bring back instant impact transfers via the portal and you got two coaches who are hitting their stride. So these teams match up really well. They're really similar in, in just about every single aspect. So, like I said, man, I'll, I'll reiterate it for the millionth time. We're in for a good game, and I, I can't wait to see how Jaden Daniels plays. Uh, that's that's the big kicker for me. Yeah, you said Harold Perkins. I'm, I'm you know, I can't believe I didn't even mention it before. But yeah, you got Harold Perkins this game. He didn't even. He, I don't think he even played last game or the last Florida State game. So or maybe you're just a couple of plays. So that's the biggest X factor. I mean, he's the best player in LSU's team. So yeah, we'll see. See how it goes. Um, yeah, I think that about does it. All I got to say is go Tigers, and uh, hopefully they get it done. So uh, Yeah, we're, we're in for a good one. We're in for a yeah. good one. But yeah, good stuff, brother. Yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, if you could like and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, see you soon.